Welcome to Ministry in Motion, where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. Whether you're a pastor, an elder, or a, a volunteer doing ministry in your local church, Ministry in Motion is for you. And we're delighted to have two very special guests for our program today, Dr. Alan Handysides and Dr. Peter Landless. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. It's a real pleasure to have you on the program, and we're very appreciative. Our topic today is stress. But when I look at you two gentlemen, you look so relaxed and laid back oh, when it comes to stress. That's, that's, that's because in front of you, he won't treat me badly. <laughs> <laughs> he just, that's what he hopes. <laughs> right. Okay, now just tell us a, a little bit about yourselves, what, what your roles are, what, what do you do? Alan, perhaps uh, if you go first. I'm the Health Ministry's Director for the General Conference. Mm -hmm. That's for the World Church of Seventh-day Adventists. And my background is, um, I'm, I'm English, as you probably can tell from my accent. I trained uh, in Edinburgh uh, with my basic uh, degree. And then I specialized in Canada, first in pediatrics, which gave me insight into the management of children and families and mothers. And then I continued and went into obstetrics and gynecology. So my background is that those two specialties, maternal and child health is really my my background. Right, okay. And then, of course, I was in mission service. I was ordained to the gospel ministry as a, a, as a, a pastor. And I've been involved with um, church-affiliated institutions really for all of my clinical career. Right, okay. And a lot of time in Africa as well? Um, yes. Uh, you know, I spent... Uh, my total time in Africa is about 16 years. Right. Yeah. And uh, some of that I was there as a missionary kid. Some of it I did a year of training there just to get the feel of the continent. Mm -hmm. And then I've also uh, spent time in, as a missionary, medical right. missionary. Thanks, Alan. And Peter, tell us a little about yourself. I'm a little slower. I spent most of my life getting the feel of Africa content. <laughs> I was born there. Right. <clears throat> and in South Africa. And um, I then went into mission practice and did a specialty in uh, family practice. Right. Then after 10 years of that, went to specialise in internal medicine and then subspecialised in cardiology. So that was my clinical career. Uh, also, uh, interesting, when I was in mission practice, I met Dr. Handysides. He was working in a hospital not far from us. And I was ordained to the gospel ministry as well, um, around about that same time. And since 2001, I've been here at the General Conference, uh, an associate to Dr. Handysides in health ministry. Terrific. Yeah. Well, it's a real pleasure once again. And I guess, as I'm thinking about it, you're, you're very well qualified to talk about this. Both pastors, both doctors, and it's what I would sense to be some fairly high stressful aspects of, of medicine as well, yeah. whether it's cardiology, um, obstetrics, yes. pediatrics. This, this is reasonably stressful, I would imagine. Well, you know, they did a survey of doctors as to ask the doctors to rate the stress of their profession. You would never guess who felt that they were the most stressed subspecialty. It was the dermatologist. Are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding. Because the reason is that stress is not something in the external environment. It's something that one feels within. Okay. We may be in a stressful environment or an environment full of stress sores, but how we react and respond to that 
is the level of stress that we feel. And it could be that dermatologists have a low tolerance for stressors and so mm -hmm. chose a specialty that was less stressful, but still their innate uh, sense of being stressed came through. Of course, it could be that dermatology is a very stressful um, type of specialty because, I mean, you've got these diseases that don't seem to get better. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know. It's superficial stress. <laughs> skin, Super. skin deep. <laughs> so let's, let's move on to a definition of stress. How would you define stress? Stress is a reaction to circumstances, mm -hmm. to stimuli. Um, one can either be stressed by it or you can, you can react well or badly. Mm -hmm. It can be something which uh, stirs you and stimulates you to do better. We talk about that as eustress, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, -E -S -S, good stress. Uh, then you get the bad stress, the negative stress, which makes one panic-stricken and worried and puts you on tenterhooks and, and, and you distress. become, and, and, and that's distress. Yes. You, know, it, you, you become less productive, you don't think clearly, uh, you become preoccupied with the issues around what you're dealing with as opposed to the, the task at hand. Mm. And so that is a very negative component to stress. We all need stress. And you know, the fright, fight and flight reaction mm. of you get a fright and you immediately want to protect yourself and, and get away from where you're under the stress, that's a very physiological response mm. mediated by hormonal responses. But stress is really built into us and it's a part of who we are and how we react, how we respond and how much we allow it to be part of our um, existence negatively or positively determines how we are going to manage our lives in general. Mm. It could be said that it's perhaps an inverse proportion to our capacity to cope. We, ha we all of mm. us have to cope with certain situations. If you're driving a car in traffic, you have to cope. So it seems part of life. It's it? part of life. Yeah. So we could say, well, this traffic is very stressful, but whether or not we drive in the traffic or not depends really on our coping capacities. Now, those coping capacities are innate and inherent, so, so some of us are born with personalities that are more fragile than others. And others have a bigger capacity. They have a bigger capacity, but there, it's also a learned mm -hmm. experience. Okay. And it can be learned uh, through childhood from our parents, uh, from those around us, uh, from, from what are the norms of coping. Mm -hmm. So young people often are very helpful to each other in coping with stress. That's why they like to be with each other because they, they help each other to cope with the stress. Uh, it's nice to be in a class that's all writing the exam because you can help each other cope with this dreadful thoughtful thought of an ogre coming up that you're going to have to write the exam. So mm. it's good to think of stressful situations and then our reaction to stress and if we are overreacting to the stress, finding it too stressful, there are certain things that we ought to be thinking about that we can bring into play to improve our accommodation of the stressful situation. All right, okay. So there is something that we can do. So later in today's program, we want to look at how we actually manage stress, which is a, a key thing. But we also want to discover more about what stress does to the body. Okay. So hold that thought and we'll be right back with more of Ministry in Motion.
Welcome back to Ministry in Motion, where our topic today is managing stress. We've just explored a definition of stress, distress and eustress. But now let's explore with our doctors what happens to the body when the body is under stress or distress. So you're talking about the physiological response of yes. the body to stress. Yes. Well, a lot of work of the, the, done on stress was done by Hans Selye from uh, Montreal in Canada. He was the father of this understanding of stress. Of course, he's, there's been so much more added to that. But the body does respond uh, to stressful situations by the release of certain hormones, chemical hormones. And we often look at the adrenal as the principal place where these uh, neurotransmitters and hormones are released. The one that everybody will know, if we call it by the British name, adrenaline right. uh, or norepinephrine, uh, which is the American uh, uh, epinephrine uh, or norepinephrine is the American uh, terminology. Adrenaline, it actually involves nearly every tissue of the body. So when it's poured out from the adrenal gland in response to, let's say, a fright or a threat, mm -hmm. or it, it goes and will, re will react on any tissue that has receptors to it. Wow. So the, the receptors, they are categorized as beta receptors and alpha receptors, but they, the response in the tissues depend on those receptors. But it will speed your heart rate, so your heart starts to be. Mm -hmm. It will constrict your blood vessels, so your blood pressure uh, may go up. It can uh, quieten down the activity of your bowel, so that your bowel stops uh, or, or, all those uh, kind of things. If you're a woman in labor, it may want to shut off labor uh, large amount. In other words, there are all of these tissue responses which are very good for the acute situation when you're being chased by a lion. Well, not mm. many people get chased by lions in America, but you know, you, you understand the, 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 what I'm talking about. Exactly. The more difficult stress to cope with is that which is present, but like the dripping of a water on a stone it's continually there. Pastors will feel this in congregations where maybe they have to deal with certain members of their church who are a pain in the neck. And, and they, you know, the pastor may sense, I've got that difficult head elder, or I have that woman that always talks my ear off. There may be some situation in the church that is causing a constant irritation. And there's no relief. And there's no relief. Most pastors who are listening to me, they can immediately identify someone in their congregation that gives them this acid indigestion that, you know, Pepto-Bismol's not going to get rid of. But it may not necessarily be a person. No, it may not no, be a person. It, it may be, be a the situation. Yes. Yeah. Maybe the situation. And you know, I think that's very important to remember, and, and you've emphasized this beautifully, I think. Sometimes we're not aware of it happening. We, we kind of feel keyed up all the time. It's like driving a car at excessive revs. You're stressing the engine more than you ought to. Mm -hmm. And the same thing happens with the body. Now, for many years, stress was viewed as a soft risk factor mm -hmm. for heart disease. When we say soft, meaning that it's not really that important. No. You know, it's kind of the uh, risk factor for those who are destitute of any other risk factors. Unproven. Unproven. Mm -hmm. However, in the last five years, five, seven years, there's been a turnaround in the scientific understanding and view of stress as a risk factor for coronary artery disease. Now, as Alan pointed out earlier, 
um, high blood pressure, people who are stressed, their blood pressure is higher. If you take an individual and put a catheter in their artery and let them drive in that traffic, you see how the blood pressure goes up. You put them in a stressful situation, an interview, sometimes preaching or teaching or whatever it might be. Like being on TV here with them asking us these questions. Ours is through the roof. (laughs) (laughs) And and you measure it, you'll see that under those stressful circumstances, their blood pressure goes up. You don't even need to be so invasive. You can just do it with a little ambulatory monitoring machine. Mm -hmm. However, importantly, it's showing that that chronic stress not only manifests in heart disease, coronary artery disease, as one of the factors, but it also, people get headaches, they get indigestion, they get sleepless, they become irritable. Uh, they, you know, all of these factors come into play uh, and make people different to the way they would like to be. Mm. So stress is very important in mod- modulating our behavior, not only with, uh, in our own thinking, but with each other, with our families. And those who suffer most are often those who are closest to us. And I believe pastors <clears throat> are uniquely positioned to experience this chronic low-grade stress because of the perceived expectations that they think their congregants have of them. They have to behave. They must be paragons of virtue. They're supposed to be so exactly. like Jesus that they're, under, they're in this vice-like uh, a life totally under control. Exactly. Yeah. They, uh, and many pastors, it doesn't matter which denomination a pastor is in, he, he's going to feel the pressure of conforming. And so it, it's difficult for pastors. In fact, I have a son who is so non-conformist who when he was weighing his career options and did think about ministry, I was a little concerned because I thought if he went into ministry, He's such a non-conformist, maybe they wouldn't uh, accept him. You know, it sounds to me that you're describing there, there's some, there's some obvious sources of, of stress or stresses, but there's some hidden ones that, ones that that, that, that yeah. sneak up upon us that we're not even aware of and can catch us. Can you give us some examples of some of these things that sneak up and kind of hidden sources of stress that, that might impact a, a pastor or an elder or somebody ministering in a church? I think one of the Alan has touched briefly on, on the relationships issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, one may not always be overtly aware of them, but sometimes one anticipates certain issues, be it in a board meeting, be it with certain church members, be it in uh, not only that the church member is responsible, we don't want people to feel that, but it's sometimes in our own reaction to them. And, our, you know, perception is the only world in which it's our reality. Yeah, my yeah. perception is my reality. And if my perception is skewed, then my reality is equally skewed. Yeah. So if I think that people think badly of me or, you know, it's like you have a little pimple on your nose. For you, it feels like it's the size of a rhino horn. But, you know, people, you say, you know, excuse me. They say, what are you talking about? They haven't even noticed it. So those things which, you know, we, which are almost imperceptible that worry us, those creep up on us as well. And you used the illustration before, Peter, about driving a car at high revs. At times you can just get accustomed to the sound of the high yes. revs and you think it's normal. Right. In fact, you love, sometimes you like the pressure because you think it motivates you. You think it produces, you speak better when you're a little under stress, but you don't realise it's taking a toll. And I imagine that could be addictive as well. It yes. is. 
It is. Addicted to adrenaline and the, the stress that comes. They talk about that. adrenaline junkies. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. In our next segment, we want, we want to explore how to manage stress. So stay right with us. We'll be back with more of Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is managing stress. Our guest today, Dr. Alan Handysides, Dr. Peter Landless. Thanks again, gentlemen. Now, let's get right to this issue of managing stress. How does one manage such a thing? How do you put the relief valve in the distress so that you can manage it? And how do you control that regular dripping stress that's, that's there in a person's life? You, you know, part and parcel of controlling it is to recognise it. Exactly. Okay. You know, if we don't recognise that it exists, you'll never do anything about it. And, you know, we all travel fairly, fairly frequently. Have you ever sat and looked at the aeroplane wing out of the, out of the window? Oh, yeah. And have you seen how that wing moves as you fly? It can wobble a lot, that it thing. Can. <laughs> it can. It has a tremendous range of motion. And it brings back to mind one of the physics principles I learned when I was in first-year medicine. It's a thing called metal hysteresis. In other words, metal has a coping point beyond which crack. it'll crack. We have the same problem, same situation. Mm -hmm. Unless we recognize that we are under stress, we will crack. And it's when those cracks appear, if they are ignored, one of the things that pre-flight checks do and people when they examine the airplanes, they look for those stresses and for those cracks. And sometimes they are microscopic, but yeah. they need to be recognized. And if we have this macho, nothing worries me, I'm fine. I don't need any help. I don't need anything that's where we're really headed for big problems. So what cracks should we be looking for in our lives? Well, the crack that causes a breakdown is the inability to cope. So I think we need to examine ourselves and our, and our usual coping mechanisms. For instance, some people will turn to alcohol to cope with the stress. And I have never taken alcohol. Uh, uh, that's been one of the philosophies of my life is not to take alcohol. But I know that people who do take alcohol feel a relief from the stress. The problem is that it's not a permanent re 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 uh, relief. It's not <clears throat> a relief that will is constructive of a better way of coping. In fact, it damages the way of coping and will be tending to be needed in increasing dosage. So I know and have met even ministers who have taken to the taking of alcohol to help cope with stress and they have become alcoholics. So that, that is something that I'd like to start. So we, 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 we don't look for external solutions. We must look for internal solutions of coping. And I think when you look at internal solutions, we must start with our own self-worth. How do we see ourselves? A pastor who has a poor self-image and poor self-worth is going to be more stressed when he feels that there may be people in the church who don't like his style of preaching, people who perhaps 
are critical of him and have a little campaign going on, why can't we move the pastor and so forth. Mm. That becomes very stressful uh, to a pastor. If, if he can realize and understand that that is maybe one or two percent of his congregation, then he's going to be able to, uh, to, to cope. On the other hand, if he hears that it's 80% of his congregation, maybe he needs to look at what he's doing. Maybe he does have an, a dictatorial approach. Maybe he is a controller trying to control everything, which of course comes because he feels uh, insecure. So he wants to get control of the situation to be secure. So some self-analysis is required. And adjustment of behavior. And when... adjustment of behavior, realizing mm -hmm. none of us are perfect. Yeah. I've had to do a lot of adjusting since <laughs> he came to the department. And it's all been for the better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you guys are such good friends. I really am. We were. <laughs> there are many other cracks that appear mm -hmm. and we need to look for them. Not that crack. <laughs> Headaches, sleeplessness, mm -hmm. irritability. <clears throat> decreased libido, um, taking refuge in eating, raiding the fridge at midnight. Um, those are the kinds of things, the use of substances, even counter medications, workaholism, burying oneself in, and not doing the things which can appropriately manage the stress. Exercise, recreation, time off, time downtime to read a book, to switch off from some of the issues, because you see, we we try to always be available and we have that need to be and as physicians, as pastors, as healthcare providers, we all try to be there for the people who need us. Yes. Sometimes we need a little downtime. And Jesus modeled that, didn't he? Mm. He did. You know, come aside and, and rest a while because there, there can be a burden, can't there, that we, we some of us can have that Messiah complex yeah. of, of solving every problem, Body's every problem. issue, always being available. And, and that can lead to significant so issues. So you have the two extremes. You have the person who is so driven. Yeah. That he, and then there is another group who withdraw. And instead of facing up to the situation, calling a meeting to, to settle it out, they withdraw from the situation, try to distance themselves from resolution of problems. A little escapism. A little escapism. And it may even come, although we're saying rest is necessary, they may sometimes start to take more time and to, to try to justify it, but then they suffer with guilt. So, so that it, it's a beautiful uh, need for balance mm. in, in the life. I do believe that pastors can be encouraged to spend a little more time than they probably do with their spiritual nurture and spiritual lives themselves. Tell us more about that. Why is that important? You know, we are forever giving, but seldom receiving in ministry. Mm -hmm. And the way we receive is to set aside time to talk with God. Now, a lot of people call that prayer and they want us to pray in a position or a stance or at a given time or so many uh, descriptors of how to pray. But we need to talk to God. Mm. And we need to talk to God in whatever situation we find it easiest to talk to God. We need to listen to Him talking to us. And that can, must come through Bible study. Now Bible study, you know, we can read the Bible through, which I'm doing this year myself. 
Uh, but we can read the Bible through, but if we don't spend time to meditate on what we've read, we're not really going to receive the food that is there for us to strengthen, be strengthened by. I've just got to thank you, gentlemen. Um, the material you've presented, the insights, wonderful. Thank you. We hope you'll come back onto Ministry in Motion. We want to thank you for joining us as well. For more information, visit our website, ministryinmotion.tv. But we want you to know that we care about you and we pray for your ministry. Until next time, God bless you.